It's another week of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Matt, not Mike, sitting here with my boys, well, some other boys, ready to talk some wrestling. And we're going to talk a lot about AEW Dynamite tonight, and what a great show we had last night here in Milwaukee. It's feeling like summer, and last night's show was hot, hot, hot. But before we get into the details, let's talk to the boys real quick. Over in Glendale, somebody who always keeps it regal, my guy and best friend, Steve Grobschmidt. Steve, how are you doing? Matt, you know what makes Daddy Magic's nipples hard? It you want to taste? Seriously, I don't skip the commercials or DVR AEW Dynamite because every time there's a DraftKings commercial and that guy makes an appearance, I, I can't help myself. It's just the best. We almost had a tragic event that we'll discuss uh, later on where uh, those nipples were in peril. Oof. Yeah, well, not good. Well, we're going to hear more about that, um, but you may have just heard another voice there oh. alongside Steve, longtime listener and occasional host of the show, Gary Williams, joins us tonight from Glendale, Wisconsin. That's correct. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real... And now I will say that the reason why I brought up um, but yes, hi everyone. Uh, yes, this is Gary, and you probably know me from the takeover episodes um, that Steve and I have been kind of doing. Uh, but I I live in Ohio, as many of you know. But obviously, my hometown is here in Milwaukee, and so when the show uh, came up, uh, Steve and my brother and I decided we were going to get tickets together, and it would be like just like going back to old, literally old school, old times, and it was it was a blast. We had a lot of fun and uh but matt i will say that there is a reason why i brought up hulk hogan today oh and what is that well so when we think about the house shows and and we'll we'll get right into the AEW show yesterday you always have to remember like the the way that a show is taped um is is a, is as quite a process right and so for anyone who's never been to a taping while there's only the two hours that you see there is uh literally we were there uh close to six six and a half hours uh for the whole event oh wow uh, yeah it started a little bit after five yeah it was advertised as starting at six and we got there at what 5 45 and there yep. was like uh ring of honor matches going on like, yep. <laughs> and they didn't even advertise they were starting early it was weird yeah so i mean they um you know there was a, about i don't know an hour and 15 minutes worth of ring of honor um that culminated with a pretty awesome what i thought was a pretty good main event for that show that they were taping it was um samoa joe and cold, cold cabana. cabana which was he's a cult classic here in the chicago milwaukee area right so that was a pretty awesome kind of little end and then they kind of take a little bit of a break and then they get you jacked up for dynamite and so i guess the thing you know it's hard because like back in the day now i i don't mean to go old school on this new school podcast but we were in that very arena that mecca 
in uh, grade school, believe it or not, we were in grade when we were in grade school and we went to what was the equivalent of their WWF uh, tapings. They were taping superstars of wrestling. And here's the thing that is so was so different, though. The card that they advertise, it only had like a certain number of matches. And one of which was the, the, the carrot was it was Hulk Hogan against Big John Studd. But the, the, the thing was they taped three episodes. So they did three hours worth of tapings. Oh. And then when the show, quote unquote, ended, they brought out the main event. And I, you know, as I was talking with Steve earlier today, this is like quite a difference from the way that tapings are done today. Like when you think about Raw or even Dynamite, the carrot for in the old school to sit through three hours was that you were going to see Hulk Hogan and Big John Studd or whatever the main event was, right? In a dark, in a quote unquote dark match that was going to end the show and leave you going home happy. Um, last night, we sat there for six and a half hours and the very last match was... Lee Moriarty against Takeshita. Now, love those guys, but come on. How are you going to keep a crowd? <laughs> right? And they didn't. And and there ended up only being a couple thousand people in there. But, you know, the, the thing that's frustrating in listening to people who are kind of like, oh, Milwaukee didn't seem like a hot crowd. They were, but we were there six hours. Yeah. And so it's hard to stay up that whole time. It's just not, it's just... It's it was really disappointing to hear people today, um, whether it was on the internet or on Busted Open, be like, "Oh, it wasn't such a good crowd." I we had a blast. Yeah, and the crowd around us was hot. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to criticize Tony Khan a little bit for some of the things. Like Gary, you were talking about how you guys got there, and they were already doing Ring, Ring of Honor tapings prior to the yeah, show. Yeah, and I thought time. I missed something, and I looked at my email they sent me reminding me, and it's like six o'clock. It's like, where did this five o'clock thing happen? Yeah, and Matt, Matt, you make a great point because you're right. And and I think about this. I've been to, I was at the Dynamite in Ohio uh, at the Nutter Center. I, I've been to um, Raw at um, in Columbus. Now just at this show, I was at House Rules. I mean, like when I was at House Rules, I'm telling you, it was like a total throwback. And it was a, consi- it was a very concise three-hour show and it left you home happy it flowed great no television guys were comfortable it's just tv's just a different flair when they're taping it is and sitting there in person so i've also attended a few episodes of dynamite and yeah it, it can be a little bit of a marathon i think especially now with the way aew is set up where they have ring of honor as this off-brand sort of opening the show and then you have all these dark matches that are filmed for YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then you finally get to Dynamite, where you've seen already seen a bunch of great wrestling. So if you don't see more great wrestling on Dynamite, the show can really fall flat. And then on top of that, you have AEW Rampage following yes. Dynamite, which, as we all know, for the past several months, has not been the most well-booked show on the planet. So having that as the carrot, like you said, to send the fans home happy isn't really smart booking on Tony Khan's behalf when it comes to booking live events like this. So my hope is that in the future, at some point they rethink this given all the brands and extensions and other shows that they're trying to film in one sitting. And maybe, you know, do we split up ring of honor and rampage into its own event? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's an option. 
Yeah. I guess we'll have to see where they go. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I mean, um, yeah, no, I know. I get why they do it because like, you know, if there's one thing I've heard from the pun, you know, the, the, the guys that have done TV for decades in wrestling is that it's really expensive. And they, that's obviously that's why they do rampage as a taped show because it's infinitely mm-hmm. more expensive and logistically complicated to do if rampage was done live, for example, but yeah, I mean, it's, the only thing that's live is the two hours everything around it isn't so yeah you could separate that into its own as long as it's not live i would think the ring of honor and rampage tapings could happen on a different day in a different city whatever um so yeah i don't know it is interesting when you think if it's long for us matt when we were walking out of uh panther arena we crossed the street heading to the car and there was darby allen yeah, we walked right past them and uh, talked to him briefly. And he had a match at 7 o'clock, and we were walking out at 11.45, and he was just getting to his hotel. And so imagine what, how early he probably got there. And so, like, for those guys, like, it's also a marathon. But then again, you know, given today's wrestlers that are doing these, you know, really maybe marathon days, it's not like, you know, and we had this argument on the run today. We were trying to decide, like, you know, we saw the the Kingo and Darby Allen again, right? And those guys are just, I mean, it's just like you 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 keep saying to yourself, like, there's no way they're gonna be alive in like 10 years. Just <laughs> the way they throw themselves around, right? But but then you think like, well, but is what they're doing only one or two days a week, right? How different is that really from what say Ric Flair did? every single night for 60 minutes right yeah that's a really good point i you can always balance how much effort these guys put in how much they put their bodies through nowadays versus what they did back in the 80s when you know they're touring 300 days a year now that's not the case especially with aew right but yeah all interesting stuff but this is all really good i i want to hear more though about dynamite and the experience you guys had for the show because obviously a lot of the listeners out there saw dynamite on tv but you were both there in person steve i know you had posted a photo on instagram of you in the crowd and did john moxley happen to walk your way i thought you had also sent us a video on the group yeah we did send you the video because we were um like in the 100 section which was almost it was barely elevated from the floor, so it wasn't like it was up a whole section, but it was back. So there was like the floor seating, a big aisle, and then we were at the railing of the first well, row. Well, Mike would appreciate. We were at we were at ice level, so we would have been right on the edge for a hockey for an admirals game for an admirals yeah. game. We were right at ice, yeah. right, right, right up by the boards. He would yeah. have really appreciated. But yeah, us. we were right along that wall, and you could kind of tell something was going on because they inexplicably opened up some doors in the back, like mm-hmm. kind of near us. And then um, the cameras were starting to get positioned, and the guards or the uh, like the security was. So we knew that when the Blackpool Combat Club was coming, they were coming down our aisle. And sure enough, I mean, we showed you the video, but for those those listening to this with the theater of the mind, um, Blackpool Combat Club walked right past us. And um, Gary here, um, while cheering them for the most part, when we, we either, Wheeler Yuta was inches from his face, was, what did you tell him he sucks? Like, you're a fool. <laughs> you're the worst. I just, I'm not a Wheeler Yuta fan. I just... He's just, but he's not a good heel. I don't think he's not, but, but in true uh, group fashion, 
And, you know, Sammy Guevara brought this up in an interview not too long ago when he was, if you remember, I think it was when he, he and Darby and Jungle Boy and, and you know, um, the pillars, the pillars were, you know, in that. And he was like, you know, you all thought I was Chris Jericho's lackey, but it's true that every group has to have that lackey, that kind of guy. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until, so up to this point, I have to say it was not until Brian Danielson came out that I understood better where they were going with this. Cause up to that point, I was not, I was not feeling it. Oh yeah. yeah. I can totally understand that. Um, I, I've had mixed feelings on Wheeler Yuta over the last several months. And I think a big piece of it is he, he's not a great heel. Like he's a great, yeah, great. fighting from underneath. I mean, he's, he can definitely go in the ring. Like there's no question yes. about that. Oh, so you yes. put him in a situation great. where he's making a comeback or fighting from underneath. He's phenomenal. But the moment he starts whining or just showing any heelish yeah. tendencies, it comes across as like, man, you're just a loser. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think, exactly. I think, yeah, I think that's right on. And I think for me, when he was, he's never been a great promo, but when you're a good guy and you're talking trash to like MJF, it comes across awkward, but there's sort of this earnestness. Like, it's like, oh, you know, he's trying. Yeah. But when you're trying to be this super menacing, like sneering villain, and you're not good at promoing, really. It just, it just, it feels like he's trying. He's like cosplaying, being a bad guy. I, I will say, I will say, the show started hot. It really did. I mean, I felt like the, the Darby Allen Swerve Strickland match it was great. Man, was great. The, the the only drawback I had to that was I wish I had gotten more story of why those two guys were really connected well before AEW. Because it, it did appear slightly random and put did together. Did they talk about that on the announcing? They did, yeah. So they kind of filled in the gifts. And I think that's one thing Excalibur does really well for the listeners and mm, viewers at agreed. home is he's always talking about the history of people, whether it even extends to other companies, he'll go mm-hmm. into it. Anything to build a story into a match, AEW, I think, does everything they can. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's a little too much, but they do it. When you're there in person... Yeah, it can really go either way. I think that's the risk of TV wrestling, especially with something like Dynamite. Right. You might get a really great 10-minute promo. And if you're not a promo person, then, well, I'm going to run to the bathroom or go get another beer at that point. But if you get a match that's halfway decent or really intricately worked, I think is probably the most common. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they can kind of get lost on a crowd without having someone like Excalibur leading you through it and explaining the backstory to it. So... I can totally maybe see how you guys, you know, we're into the match, but maybe not quite that much. I think for the viewers at home, it really hit home. Um, The first, Mm -hmm. I would say five minutes of the match, it really seemed like the crowd was sitting there quietly like, okay, what are we getting into? What is tonight's episode of Dynamite really going to be like? But by the end of that match, I feel like everyone started to come to life. Is that, Mm -hmm. is that kind of what you guys experienced in the building? You know, I felt I it that's weird that you say that because it, it truly to me felt like we were rocking and rolling right from uh right from the beginning. Yeah, I would definitely say it crescendoed near as as it built up. And and I mean from when he came out on Darby is just he's still mega over. I mean, like he got huge reaction. But um yeah, I'd be interested. I have to go back and watch it because yeah. I'd be interested because you know, yeah, and part of it admittedly too, where 
we were in a pretty fun area. There was these dudes behind us yeah. that were like hamming it up with us and like, yeah. but in a good nature, not like a vulgar, like, no, all the no, way. Yeah. like we were all having fun. And um, so, I mean, it always felt like people were up except, except the women's match, which we'll get to later, but no, I would say it felt pretty consistent, but it definitely picked up as the match went on because it got really good. What I, what I am curious about Matt is, is after the match. So what, how did the sequence go? Because we did not see, I have not seen the the television version of this, but the what was awkward for us was it, it seemed like MJF came out and then for us, he disappeared and then re-emerged. What was that sequence like for you watching it on television? That's really interesting you say that. I was actually going to ask what happened because, so for those of our viewers who maybe, you know, are trying to follow us here, um, so the match ends, Darby Allen ends up winning over Swerve Strickland. He's still in the ring, sort of celebrating for a moment, recovering. And then MJF's music hits, MJF walks down to the ring. And for the viewers at home, it went to a commercial. So when they went to a commercial, it sounds like what may have happened in the building is they knew MJF had to sit for a few minutes before, you know, starting to just rip Darby Allen apart on the mic. And so maybe they thought, oh, let's let's just set him aside, you know, like maybe yeah. he didn't have any material for the commercial break. I, I've heard as of late, he's been really getting into it and like just oh. going all out uncensored. Well, that down. happened. Okay, so that happened. Yeah, he, so that uh, must not have been on TV. On, no. On TV. no, he basically went into he dropped f bombs that were uncensored and then proceeded to say that the only thing noteworthy about Milwaukee is Jeffrey Dahmer. But the worst thing is, like, he wishes Jeffrey Dahmer had finished the job and killed us all, killed everybody. Yeah, it was, like, it was, he went into a really, it was yeah. really good. But it, but he did leave us with something that I wondered if you caught, which is he said about the only thing that was good around here or the only thing you're good at is cheese and beer. And there were multiple times throughout the night when the we did there were crowd chants of cheese, cheese and, and beer. beer, like cheese oh. and beer. Yeah, so, <laughs> okay, this makes way more sense. Watching yep. the show, there were moments throughout the show where I did not know what the crowd was chanting. And part of it was, I'm like, are they just not that loud or what's going on? I think it's my TV, so oh. take it for what it's worth. But having you guys say that, I feel like clears things up a lot for me. Because there were moments where I it sounded like, gee, man, mirror, me, man, mirror, like that rhythm. So cheese and beer totally makes sense. And in that <laughs> context, yeah, I get it. Um so yeah, so pretty crazy show so far. But yeah, MJF comes out. He and Darby have what I think was probably the best promo of Darby Allen's career up uh, to this I, point. Gary, okay. Gary Toll, go ahead. I, I mean, I can't, we can't make this up. I can't believe you set me up like that. We literally, as we were across the street and saw Darby Allen, the, trust, and we can go for days about marks, and and we're all marks. But the guys that are just like, I mean, there was a guy that was like. Darby, my sister is, you know, so sick and she needs you to sign this jacket. And it's like, oh my God. But I will say that I I like, I was like, hey, Darby. And he's like, hey, man. And I'm like, Darby, you were awesome tonight. By the way, that was one of the best promos I've ever heard you say. And he goes, gracias, man, gracias. You know, <laughs> and so it was, but, and he, and he wasn't being, he wasn't no, being, he, a he, he looked I mean, tired, but he looked, fr- he yeah, was polite. He was, yeah. he was oh, being no. Totally. But I, and I meant it like that was a damn good. So you compare that promo with Sammy Guevara's promo blew him out of the water. Oh, blew yeah. him out of the water. For sure. Um, I always mention this on these episodes, but I was listening to the What Culture podcast today, as I tend to do on Thursdays to catch the Dynamite review. 
and they talked so much about how Darby Allen versus MJF could be a singles title match on its own at mm-hmm. this point. Because, yep. you know, if you think back to that Pillars moment, uh, what was it, probably about a month ago now, yeah. Jungle Boy, he's still got some work to do, unfortunately, on the mic. Sammy Guevara, same deal. And uh, quite frankly, I don't know that the crowd will ever accept him for... I don't think... Not anytime yeah, soon. No. Yeah. So, so that leaves Darby, who you know, just can totally stand on his own. Don't get me wrong. A four-way match would be phenomenal. Darby Allen on his own, still phenomenal. So it's really great. You guys had a chance to, you know, give him that feedback. Maybe, maybe he'll take it to heart. We'll see. He, he, he was phenomenal. MJF was his, him himself, but the, the, the showstopper show stealer was sting. But it was a great sting promo. He, yeah, he doesn't usually go into as much as he did. Like, Name dropped Cody, name dropped yeah. Ric Flair, name dropped um a couple other people I'm just trying to blank on. Dusty, maybe, but uh oh Hall and Nash. Hall and Nash. Yeah, it was just yeah, it was like a real different promo for him in AEW times. And no, that, that whole segment was pretty good. And yeah. I, I even said something to Steve at the time. I said, you know, this went on a little longer, but for me, now again, you know, we are old school wrestling fans. But that promo, so to your point, Matt, that promo spot was worth the price of admission. Like, to me, that was as valuable as a match because we, in our generation of wrestling, love storytelling. So that was captivating for me. I could have watched stuff like that multiple times in the night. Um, In fact, we're going to talk about one probably in a little while. It might be a spoiler, but I think it'll be worth talking about in an FTR interview that happened later on was also very phenomenal. That totally. will be put on rampage. Excellent. Great. Oh, yeah, I can't right. wait to talk about that. I, I will say regarding sting, just one more thought on that. I I've talked about this before on past episodes. I was not a WCW guy growing up. Mm-hmm. I totally get the hype behind sting because mm-hmm. I didn't really know any of his stuff before he came into AEW my god like every time he talks every time he wrestles like by the end of the match i'm like that's the match of the night or that was the promo of the night he's always like he never misses it's great well you think in in steve Steve, you can maybe jump into on this but i think about the largest pops of the night and they centered around some of those old school guys staying and then obviously the largest i mean the building shook when jeff hardy came out Yes, that was very obvious, even on TV. Um, I was kind of thinking to myself, wait, Matt Hardy's already in the ring. And then it hit me, oh, Jeff's coming to save him. And then I thought, wait, didn't they do this exact same angle when he first debuted? But whatever. It still worked. Didn't matter. We'll get to it in a little bit. I don't want want to get too crazy here. But but anyway, so we go to a commercial. Sting had just been in the ring. Uh, What was the next match? Do you guys recall? It was Hobbs. Hobbs came out then, and and didn't he Silas. wrestle Silas? Which I was, we were really disappointed in because we really thought with Silas being a Milwaukee guy, and with I mean, he got he got a pretty good pop for a for a guy that we knew was gonna have to do the job, but I didn't think it was gonna be that big of a squash match. Like it was a squash, and yeah. like I get it, but I also thought you know like this would have been a cool opportunity to put a guy over that's a local guy did they talk about him being local on on uh did like they bring that up at all on the uh telecast 
Um, sort of. It was. It mainly started with Justin Roberts mentioning that it was an open challenge, which I'm sure you guys heard in the building yeah. as well. Yeah. And that's sort of the same way Excalibur and the other commentators mm-hmm. framed it. The match starts, goes what maybe one, two minutes, and then that's the end of it. Um, I, Gary, I agree with you. I was a little confused by this because. You know, I want to say it was maybe a year ago, the last time Dynamite was here in Milwaukee, we got to see Silas Young, local Milwaukee wrestler, take on Hangman Page for 15 minutes. And it yeah, was it was a really good match. match. Really yeah. good match. Both guys looked phenomenal. So you'd think they'd do something like that, knowing Silas can go, just to make Hobbs look a little bit better. But yeah, it was really a squash. I think it was just no, there was no other reason to have the match than to get to the angle after the match with the car. It, oh, very true. Yeah, and and I, you know, I we were we were chuckling while that was going on because I don't. There's no way it was that dark. So that clearly was the done the night. It must before. have been done the it night before. Be the yeah, night yeah before. It couldn't have been that dark. And then Wardlow uh, couldn't have like you because then they played his music. There's no way he could have gotten out of that thing through the building into the arena in like seconds yeah. so so i mean we're good at suspending judgment man but i mean that was even a little stretch for us i i know i totally agree i was watching from home and obviously the three of us are very familiar with milwaukee and looking at wardlow smashing up that car you could see the fear the deer billboard in the yeah. background and then i'm thinking okay yeah. so he's actually on this street facing this exactly way. I, I and i'm not even I have been gone from here for six years. And I was thinking the same. I'm like, wait a second. Like that's the wrong street corner. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it was interesting. And yeah, his magical appearance in the building 10 <laughs> seconds later was equally miraculous. So yeah, it, it was a little silly knowing the city, but I will say the segment wasn't too bad. I think at first when he started smashing the car with the bat, it was like, Oh dude, I don't think this does not look good. But then all of a sudden, he busts out that what was it? Almost like a pole that holds up the rope in front of yeah, a yeah. entrance and smashes the windshield and then they turn to the forklift and I'm like, there you go. Just just get it over with. Interesting. Yeah. Well then after that, I mean, the next one was Buddy Matthews and Orange Cassidy. Which was outstanding. Yeah. We were match all, of the night for sure. We were all about that match. I mean I'm sorry. I know maybe I'm we're controversial in in what our thought process is, but it's time for Orange to go. Like I'm sorry, lose the title. Not yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, I think the shtick is a little bit off by that. So I, I don't know. I but boy, Buddy Matthews, hell of a freaking hand he is because he wrestled an amazing match. He did. Yeah. I. I mean, we could talk about this match all night. I. Orange Cassidy, so Steve has talked in past weeks about how Orange Cassidy needs to lose the title because you always know what's coming. But the thing is, every week, I know. It, I feel like it just keeps getting better, say. and he wins you over <laughs> every time. It I is. do think when he ends up ultimately losing that belt, it is going to be a big deal, which is great. Like, that's yeah. the best thing I think they could have hoped for. I'm curious who the next champion is at this point, but right now, I'm still enjoying this Orange Cassidy ride. We'll have to wait and see who he fights next. For me, though, this was the mm-hmm. match of the night. Oh, yeah. It was outstanding. It yeah. was outstanding. I mean, there's no other bones about it. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, I was just going to say, we had this match. What came next? Because well, whatever was, it was, that was the big. Um, Ethan Page came out and was bitching yep. about how, like, you know, there's been rough times with the that faction, the firm, is it? And uh, then, um, and then, um, 
he calls out Matt Hardy and the the young man from uh, Private Party, though, whose name I can't remember either. But uh, anyway, it's all set up for that. You know, there's a fracas, and then um, uh, Big Bill and all those guys come up and they start beating the crap out of um, um, Matt and uh, the Private Party guy. And then Hook comes out for the save, but the numbers are still against them, so he starts getting beat down. And then, as Gary alluded to minutes ago, the roof came unglued because uh, Jeff Hardy made his long-awaited return, mm-hmm. which uh, friend, uh, you know, host of the show Charlie uh, had sent us a text earlier, like that there was rumors Jeff Hardy was in Milwaukee, <clears throat> and it's also funny because Matt Hardy said something this week. <clears throat> I forget the exact number, but he said something about how. His brother's about six to eight weeks away from coming back. It was total bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a worker. Yeah, uh, this was equally exciting at home. I mean, you could tell even on TV how loud the crowd was. And in that moment, I thought to myself, well, shit, that's what I get for not buying a ticket. But uh, um, but it was really I, cool. Um, Charlie made my night because for those of our listeners, um, unfortunately, Charlie couldn't be here tonight. The guy's got way too many underwear modeling gigs. Oh, uh, yes. But I've heard he about was these. Also, yeah. he, yes. I saw them. I saw him in person um, and I asked him. Yeah, about we that. did see him. Yeah, we did yeah. see him at the show. He wasn't he wasn't at the merch table selling any of his underwear. But I mean, it was good. It was good to see him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Charlie, Charlie's a great dude. And he was phenomenal on TV. Um, when Jeff Hardy's music hits and he comes running out, I think there was a moment where you could see the crowd and Charlie, for those of our listeners who maybe have like seen pictures of him on social media or whatever, he's sitting like right in the middle and maybe 10 rows back, like plain as day on TV. And the moment Jeff Hardy's music hits, I think Charlie basically left his seat and the floor and the building because (laughs) he was the visual indicator for the crowd, the whole show. Um, just super entertaining to watch. Anyway, well, I mean, I, I, you know, it's it's hard to deny the emotion of the moment, too, because in, I don't know if you if they caught this on the camera, but he 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 was almost starting to break down crying. Jeff Hardy was at least. Um, and it felt like he it just felt amazing. And knowing his story, I we can agree or disagree on his choices. But this this is the reason why you hope wrestling is what it is right because it's a story like this it's it's a comeback story it's a legit comeback story that we hope stays true i mean and as i heard bully uh ray say today on busted open he's like this is gonna be his last chance like there is not there will be no rock there there is no tomorrow there is no tomorrow and (laughs) he's gonna have to and so i'm i as a old school wrestling guy totally pulling from the dude and it, you felt it in the crowd. You felt Absolutely. it in the ring. It was, it was cool. It was a cool moment. Yeah, yeah. That's you could definitely tell on TV he was getting emotional. Um, it was a really cool moment. And right after we had a really cool moment, of course, it's like, okay, okay, guys, calm the crowd down because we had a women's match. Um, we honestly don't need to spend any time on this, and I feel bad saying that, but not a whole lot came of this. It's another the, the iteration. One... The one 10 second thing I'll say on that one was that I don't know that I've ever witnessed a hot tag in a tag team match where the crowd had no, no reaction. And when Sky Blue made the hot tag, nothing. And I like felt bad for them. Well, but I will, but I don't know if this was caught though, but I will say I have learned a better appreciation for Soraya because she does know how to rile up a crowd. And I mean, we were pretty far away and she was screaming at us, like just yelling 
plenty of obscenities. And so that was a fun banter. But if it hadn't been for any of that, I wouldn't have even known the match was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. Um, yeah. So um, so in the interest of time for both our listeners and the Zoom moderators who are sponsoring tonight's uh, podcast, we there were two matches uh, on this card that we haven't touched on yet. One was... Well, it wasn't so much a match. It was Kenny Omega's return. You're right. Yeah. And oh, not true. just Kenny. Yeah. And not just Kenny. It was also the Young Bucks. So Kenny and the Bucks are back, now feuding with the Blackpool Combat Club. I did love in Kenny's um, promo that was pre-taped, there was the painting of him and Don Callis hanging in the background. So great. Yeah. It was good. It never but gets old. Say, I will say, um, I think... We, you all might have talked about this on the podcast, wondering way back about like when Kenny Omega was returning and, you know, you were like, you know, why is he in these, you know, six mans? And a lot of it was because he wasn't physically really ready, but they needed him. Boy, he looked jacked, jacked. I mean, holy cow. Like, I was like, wow. Like I was blown away. It's amazing how much his, uh, body changes depending on his health his workouts it's really interesting to see if you go back and watch some of his matches it's definitely anybody can see it mm-hmm. cool but i will but we'll say it was hot when when but although the the young bucks just snuck up on everyone so yeah we didn't quite know what was going on but then all of a sudden it you know the the roof the roof came off there too i felt i mean it was pretty cool a lot of great moments, a lot of great matches, a really good episode of Dynamite, especially for the Milwaukee market. I feel like we usually get robbed when it comes to good segments, good matches, and yeah. this show did not disappoint. Yeah, big returns, lots of good stuff. Yeah, it was for sure. You know, it, it just goes to show you, man. I mean, it's just one of those things where the disappointment for me was just hearing people kind of kind of crap all over the town or the the us fans that were there, but as Bully Ray said, you know, he's like, you know, at the end of the day, we're professionals. It doesn't matter if there's 5,000 there or 100 people or whatever. And he said the most important thing was, did those people who went have fun? And you know what? We he had a did. freaking blast. And it was awesome. Excellent. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. We have a little bit of a short one tonight. For those of our listeners, if you like what you heard and you want to hear more of it, reach out to us. You can hit us up on Instagram at Keep the Kayfabe or Facebook at Keep the Kayfabe. Or if you've got a lot more to say and you want to address one of us directly, you know, maybe maybe you're jealous of Charlie for all these underwear modeling gigs and you want to give him a piece of your mind. You can email us at keepthekfabe 414 at gmail.com. Well, all that being said, um, I guess, what do we usually say at the end of these shows? There's some, oh. Something with H's. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. I think it's I, keep it Paul, Paul Levesque. Paul Levesque. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's three things. I know that. It's oh. it's, it's something about staying humble, staying oh. hungry, oh. staying hard. Oh. Oh, oh. H. Woo. Woo. Yeah.